Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's the big thing for me is, man, I'm really excited to coach Cam Newton. Yeah. Like, you know, I, just getting to know him, being around him, seeing the way that he's rehabbing, the way he's taking this seriously. Um, I think I think if he does this right and we do this right, you know, his best football is ahead of him. And yeah. so, um, you know, I, I didn't know him before coming there, and I've, I've really enjoyed my interactions with him. And so, you know, I have a job to do, and it's not to start talking about like six months from now. It's about right now making sure that we get Cam healthy for this fall because if he's healthy, there's really no questions about who he is or what he can do. So just making sure that that's really our focus right now, getting that in place, but I, I felt like coming here, I wanted to make sure people knew, like, I, I really want to coach this guy, and I really like this yeah. guy, and um, I, I really like the way he's approaching his rehab and the way he's doing things. Yeah, Coming here to the Indianapolis Scouting Combine in February 2020, I wanted everyone to know that I really want to coach Cam Newton because I really would like someone to trade for his contract, pursuant to which he makes $19 million. at least that was last year, before he was cut by the Panthers when they realized they couldn't trade him. Chris, that is Exhibit A for the rest of my life, for the rest of the existence of the NFL. As to the reality, this time of year, you can't believe anything that anyone says about any subject because there is a strategic advantage to not just hiding the truth, but lying about it. Yeah. Well, y- yes, uh, you can't take these guys at their word. They had right no now. intention of keeping Cam no, Newton. No, now where he's he lying said is he like said. he'd be excited to coach Cam Newton. I don't, I don't think he's lying there. I mean, yeah, he knew he probably wasn't going to be coaching him, but I think there was probably excitement. I mean, how could you not be a little bit excited to go? Whoa, I'm going to get a, get to coach Cam Newton. I'm excited but, to do something I know I'll never right, do. Right, exactly. I'm right. excited to go skydiving. Hey. I'm really excited to go skydiving. Oh, I would pay I can money tell to watch you, you skydive too. I'd like to see that. Um, but, but like, uh, again, what do we expect? We can't always expect them to just lay it out there in total truthful terms. We know it's it's a business. But, but Chris, yeah. Chris, it's one thing. It's one thing to be discreet or say, you know, now isn't the time to discuss it. It's another thing to lay it on as thick as he did. That was thick. That was over the top. And and in hindsight, it clearly wasn't true. 
He was trying to sell Cam Newton to another team. And your best trade leverage often is, sure. well, yeah, we want this guy. Oh, look at this. Look at, hey, look at this great watch I have. What do you think of this watch? I love this watch. What do you think about it? Oh, you'd like it for yourself? That's what it was. That's all it is. And that's the kind of stuff that goes on this time of year. I'm not finding fault. It's part of the strategy of football. Yes, it you is. You can't wear your heart on your sleeve. Right. You can't tell the truth about how you feel about the guys on your team, or you're going to get screwed when the time comes to try to make a trade. Or, or I, I made this point about the, the draft order. If you act like you want a quarterback and you're in the top 10, you may as well put a flag in your front yard that says you better draft, you better trade up in front of me yeah. because I'm taking a quarterback. Yeah, and if you don't want a quarterback, you should act like you do so somebody trades up and takes a quarterback that you're not going to take anyway. I mean, that, that's just part of the psychology. We, we go through it every year, and I think we forget about it every year. We yeah. need to be reminded of it every year that, that it's all a bunch of crap and we just need to we need to take that into account and yeah. we listen to these things and repeat them to an audience that – you know, for the most part, a lot of the folks who just casually follow football don't understand that it's a lot of BS. No, I, I know. It's a lot of gamesmanship. You're right. It, it's part of the game. It's part of the competitive advantage. I mean, it is. And, you know, they're, they're, they don't want to tip their hand that way. Uh, it, that should be exhibit A. Maybe exhibit B is like, you know, Nick Saban back in the day saying he won't be going back to college, right, and doing all that. And what was it, the next day he did it? I mean, it was literally, I, I think it was literally the next day. Um, I'm not going to be the Alabama coach, right? But I don't know, you know, it, it's hard. It's uh, how do you answer that question? You know, maybe you do just, if you wanted to be more honest, you'd go, Hey, I don't, we don't know where we are with cam right now. We're still figuring that out. You know, I do think there's coaches that take that approach to where they might not have that sound bite used against them a year later to where they go, well, now everybody knows they can't really trust me. So you know, I, again, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and judge Matt Rule. He, I, I, I'm a fan of Matt Rule and everything. I'm I know. not. Look. Yeah, I know you're I'm not. not. I know you're not. Wrong. I know. I know. I'm not I know saying it's not. wrong. I'm not trying to say that. But when yeah. in Rome, he went in Rome, and hey, uh, it's uh, almost you know a little over a year from that last time, and it seems like we're back in Rome with the quarterback situation that's, in Carolina. <laughs> that's why we played this out. Some of you may be wondering, did they just have nothing else to talk about today? Why are they playing something about Cam Newton? Is this about Cam Newton? Is he going back to the Patriots? No, this is about Matt Rule. Last year, he talked about his quarterback, who at the time was his quarterback. This year, he's talking about his quarterback some more. Here he is from yesterday, meeting with the media and talking about Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy is a tremendous professional and tremendous Teddy is a tremendous person. And so, um, you know, he, I think he, he, I can't speak for him. I think he's controlling what he can control and um, he's having a great off season. I'm sure I can't wait to get him back here. And I think he's um, determined to play his best football next year. Um, as far as where he stands with us, I mean, he, he's our quarterback and uh, you know, nothing's, you know, nothing's changed since the end of the off season. Um, you know, it's really, really not much to add from where we started, you know, last, you know, at the end of the year, you know, Teddy's, uh, like I said, he's a true professional. I don't, uh, he didn't unfollow me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think he's, he's just at a, pro, 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 I wouldn't read too much into anything. You know, I, I think, you know, he's in a moment right now where he's just kind of controlling what he can control, uh, focusing on himself, focusing on his family. And um, I know he'll, uh, I know he's, when he gets back here, he'll, he'll, he'll be ready to go. He's our quarterback. Nothing's changed since the offseason. No, it hasn't changed yet, and not for lack of trying. 
they made no secret of the fact that they tried to get Matthew Stafford. Right. They would like to get Deshaun Watson. Right. They would probably like to get Russell Wilson if he was in play, although we raised the point the other day, Scott Fitterer, the new GM, came from Seattle. Maybe maybe he's not interested in giving up what's necessary to get Russell Wilson, but they clearly are motivated to get a franchise quarterback. They've done nothing to contain that. They've done nothing to put that story out. I mean, think about it. If the Buccaneers had been linked to efforts to get Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford, they would have mobilized immediately to say, if you lost your damn minds, we have Tom Brady. There was nothing like that by the Panthers to throw water on any of these stories. And and Matt Rule, I think he learned his lesson last year. Yeah. I think he was a little too effusive about Cam Newton. He was much more muted, and you could read between the tea leaves that you would say yesterday that that everything he said was equivocal and conditional. He said the right words. He's trying to show respect to Teddy Bridgewater, but we all know they're trying to find a better quarterback. No, no doubt. And, and you know, here's when you want to read between the tea leaves there, the biggest thing is this to me, when you listen back to those quotes and everything he said there. And I, I always go to this. When the first thing out of the coach's mind or out of his mouth is nothing to do with what he is on the football field and it's, oh, he's a great person and he's a great leader and, you know, he's a true professional, that tells you it all. You know, if it was a truly talented, we love this guy, that, oh, he's one of the best there is. He's got this great, that great, this great, right? When you start with that, that's where sometimes where even in the draft process, I hear guys go down that line. I want to go, are you listening to yourself? You've made three points about the player and none of it has to do with on the field. So there's, you're showing bias and you're scouting right there. Well, there they're just showing, I mean, he's saying it to you. Yeah, they like all the intangibles. But there's tangibles on, you know, on the field that are less than. And listen, you're going to look at these stats and all that, and it's, hey, it's not bad. Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. It doesn't matter. It's like you and I have talked about many a times. Those turnovers happen in the worst of times. There was way more plays and yards and touchdowns there to be had by that Carolina Panthers offense with the weaponry they had. And that's where I think Carolina goes back to it and goes, no, we're, we're too damn good, you know, to be throwing for 248 yards per game and only 15 touchdown passes with last year, they might've had the best receiving trio in football or it's up there in that conversation, you know? So again, Teddy Bridgewater, I love the story, the human being and all that, but He's no more than a bridge year quarterback or a really high-end backup, in my opinion. And I think Carolina came to that you know, justification. And I would expect them to still be in the quarterback market, whether it's the draft or a trade here as we go on. But what were they thinking when they gave him a three-year, $66 million contract? He's still got a lot of guaranteed money this year, I don't too. know. I, they, well, one, they got into a guy, hey, he knows our system, all that. You know, I, I, I've thought like, oh, wait, you got him from a guy in your division. Did you guys call Sean Payton and he told you how awesome he was and sold it? Because he was like, yeah, yeah, you guys have him. I don't want you getting anybody too talented in our division. Teddy Bridgewater's great. He'll know your offense and do all those things. You know, I think they were in a spot where they didn't know what to do last year. There wasn't anybody quite available at the time and all of that. So, yeah, they're going to end up wasting some money on Teddy Bridgewater. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I don't expect him to be the quarterback as the offseason goes on. I think they draft someone at a number eight. Or, like you said, the Deshaun Watson thing becomes very real. And, and again, we haven't heard Deshaun Watson 
any link to him wanting to go to Carolina, that'd be one team I, I've continued to say. If I were him or I was advising him, I'd go, hey, look at this Carolina team a little harder. You could go there and kind of be Superman in a hurry, and the team itself is not far behind to where they can be legit here in the next two to three years. You mentioned Sean Payton and what he may have said last year about Teddy Bridgewater before the Panthers signed him. I, I kind of wondered the same right. thing when when he was with us five weeks ago. Joe Brady about was the James OC. Winston. Yeah. And, but talking about Jameis Winston and going on and on about Jameis Winston, like if this is a guy you really want to keep, should you should you really be that over the top with your praise for Jameis Winston, or should you be trying to get him signed to a new contract and hold the praise for the day that you have the press conference announcing that Jameis Winston's staying with the team? So look, that this is the game that they play. This is the life that they've chosen. Sometimes you get the truth. Sometimes you don't. It's always better strategically to conceal the truth. Sometimes the truth is so obvious it doesn't hurt you to admit it, Chris. And that's what happened yesterday with Washington coach Ron Rivera on their quarterback plan. Here he is talking about what we all know that they don't know who their quarterback's going to be. So they're keeping all options open. Well, the biggest thing guys is we're going to continue to look, we're, we're, we're going through this process, you know, our agency starts next week. The draft is in a, in, in 50 days, I understand. So, uh, you know, we still have time and, and we're going to continue to, to, to to explore all the options that are out there. I, I think, you know, you guys, I get it. You guys want answers, but we don't have answers for you right now because uh, we're still working through the process. Again, we've got a lot of time, you know, with free agency next week and the draft in 50 days. Yeah, and he's absolutely right. And And this is a case where there's nothing that you lose strategically by acknowledging the obvious that you don't know who your quarterback's going to be. You're looking at all the options and you're going to make a decision at the appropriate time. Now, could that hurt them if they haven't acquired a quarterback when they're on the clock in round one? Is there a flag there? Hey, you better jump this team if you want to get one of these quarterbacks that's still sliding down the board. Yes, that could hurt them. And they may have to trade up if there's a guy that they really like to make sure they get him. But they, they are, are a, a, a clean slate at quarterback. Yeah, they have Kyle Allen. Yeah, they have Taylor Heineke. Neither guy is the long-term answer. They're still looking for their long-term answer, and maybe they get their long-term answer this year. Maybe they get it next year. Right. I think the one thing they learned from the Dwayne Haskins misadventures, don't just grab whoever's out there because you feel like you need a quarterback for the next 15 years. No, I agreed on that. And, you know, also look at the makeup of your football team. You know, you, you got a lot of other things to where you can – you can, like they showed last year, you can win games still without a high, you know, uh, uh, or a, a, a upper tier type of quarterback. You know, they had low level quarterback play last year, even with Alex Smith. It's a great story, but it wasn't like he was bringing anything special to the game. He just wasn't messing the game up. So for that reason, they don't have to panic. You know, if they can get a guy in there who's just, you know, again, somewhat of a game manager and can make a play here or there. You know, their offensive line, pretty damn good. It looks like they got a running back. They need another receiver to go with Terry McLaurin. And, of course, we know the defense. You know, they're, they're looking like they've got a defense that's, you know, almost going to be able to win games by themselves in a lot of in, in certain weeks against certain teams. Uh, so I am interested to see where they go because they're a team also, though, where you look at it and you go, they get a receiver, and if they got a real good quarterback, you'd go, whoa, watch out for Washington this year. 
And there's kind of sitting in no man's land as far as the draft at 19. To me, hey, I think the top three will be gone, of course. Zach Wilson, Lawrence, Mac Jones. Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, you know I like him, Mike. I like him a lot. And he knows how to not turn the ball over and do those type of things. He did it this year. So I don't know if they'd go that way, but I think he's worthy of playing the kind of ball that Alex Smith played and what Ron Rivera would want would be an accurate passer. He's not going to take stupid chances. And, whoa, he's got a rifle for a right arm and can make some big-time plays with that arm. So I'd look at that. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm interested to see if they maybe got one of these free agents that are out there too. One guy that we know won't be the quarterback, Alex Smith, even though he was 5-1 and one as a starter last year. Some of the stuff Rivera said yesterday, basically confirming things that Alex Smith said. They, they weren't thrilled with the idea of him playing it's, again. I, I love I think that. They felt the way we felt. Right. I, I got as nervous watching Alex Smith play as I did watching my son play in high school. Yeah. Every snap, every time he had the ball, every moment. I, I was I how do you wipe that out of your mind? And it just shows what a testament it is to his his grit, his toughness, yes. his courage, his drive that he did it because he's the one who's living it. And everybody else is just like, My gosh, how in the world is he doing it? So I can understand what Washington was thinking. And it makes me wonder, will there be a team out there that is really interested in Alex Smith uh, other than as a backup because they don't want to put him on the field? And even as a backup, you may have to put him on the oh, field. Are teams yeah. comfortable doing that? There may be some teams that say, yeah, we, we see plenty of reasons to have him, but there's one big reason to not have him. We don't want to have to worry about right. this guy being on the field and having another serious injury. I, I think it's, I, it would scare me. And again, I don't, I you know I'm, I'm rooting for Alex Smith. He's an awesome guy, but I mean, just as a, pure football business if I was a GM pro personnel guy that would scare me to death I there's no other way I can really say that now hey going back to truthful coaches though see Ron Rivera never bs's you you never and that's where I love Ron Rivera yeah we're 50 whatever days from that we don't know our quarterback yet yeah yeah everything Alex Smith said there in that interview is pretty true you know so you know, that I love about Ron. I think that's why players like Ron. And what it also is going to do is that one day he wants to play coy and be, you know, Johnny politician and say one thing. It's going to hold some water, hold some weight to where you're going to go, well, Ron's never really, he tells the truth every time. They're not really interested in that guy. And then, whoa, they are. They got him the next day or whatever that is. It does. It is that way, or at least there's some value in the way that Ron Rivera handles himself, and I respect that about him a lot. Dave Gettleman, the GM of the Giants, recently addressed their quarterback position. Daniel Jones, top 10 pick a couple of years ago, still hasn't shown that he's a true long-term franchise quarterback, but according to Gettleman, for now, they're not looking elsewhere. Here's what he had to say. We've done the evaluation on him, and we really believe he's the guy. So it's it's no reason to you know no reason to go look. I mean everybody, you know what we're doing is in fantasy football. We're not playing. We're not doing that. You know we've we, we've got a conviction on him. He's everything we want. He's got all the physical skills. And again, I, I I say this all the time. You know the guy the kid just finished his second year of of NFL football. All right. How many of us, after two years at our new job, were great? No, we all start at point A, and we hopefully get, <clears throat> excuse me, hopefully get to point Z. But the one common denominator is it takes time. Everybody's got to understand that. We're, we believe in Daniel. 
and that's where it is. Yeah, I, th- th- this strikes me as a guy who's telling the truth primarily because they're trying to give this guy a boost. They're trying to support him as much as they can. They're still trying to find out what they have. And a lot of times teams will do that where they will supply that 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 extra something and let the world know that we believe in this guy. Now, it wasn't over the top, but they're, they're giving him every opportunity. Now, the reality is he's trying to become the best quarterback he can be in an era where you see guys who are quickly becoming great and quickly showing that they have it. So do you get the five years like you used to? No. Do you get three years? I guess you do. But Chris, I feel like it's it's up or out this year for Daniel Jones, that if he doesn't get it done this year, if he doesn't prove that he can be a team or a quarterback that can lead his team to the playoffs, then that's when they start looking elsewhere next year. It, it, it is a big year, yes. And I think, yeah, like if it was another, if it was an average year again this year, then I don't know if they necessarily just, you know, ditch him, but they'll probably bring in like a really high-end quality backup maybe to be a little bit like competition or if you falter or don't play the way we want and do all that, then we might have to, you know, go to this guy or something that way. But at this point where we stand right now, you don't abandon ship on Daniel Jones. No way. You know, first off, we can all see there's a lot of issues, you know, with the Giants. They've not been the perfect football team. We could all see two years ago when Eli Manning was taken out of the game you know, and Daniel Jones got in that, whoa, he was clearly better than Eli Manning at that time. And he could do some things that Eli couldn't. Now, has it been perfect? No. But it's second year, like Gettleman said, it's two different systems he's been in and two years in his NFL career. You know, the offensive line's been pretty crappy. They kind of got it going. And of course, they've invested in it. They got it going towards the second half of the year. And it looks like it's on the right track even though I know they let go Zeitler you know, yesterday, but that's the way we're in. And, you know, they're, they're start, you know, we, Saquon is hurt. Evan Ingram has flashes of being awesome, but it has issues there. They got Darius Slayton. Okay, he's a real good player, but they need another guy too. Like we always talk about with these franchise top 10 quarterbacks. You know, again, what do you expect? If you want to make it work, make it work. Give him some, some talent around him to, to accentuate his own talent. So I'm not dead on Daniel Jones at all. It is a big year. Yes, I wish he would scramble and get out of the pocket and not be such the Statue of Liberty in there sometimes, and that leads to the fumbles and all that. But, damn, there is a lot of good decisions and high-quality throws, and we saw an 80-yard run that not a lot of quarterbacks in football can do, and I think that's why you keep him and you still believe in him going into year three. I think it was a 75-yard run. Oh, I thought it was an eight. I think it was – it was 80. He should have been 85 for the touchdown. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it should have been. It should have been. What, whatever, it, whatever it could have been, it was yes. about five yards yeah. short of right. that. Right. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the thing that, that you pointed out after his rookie year and hasn't gotten appreciably better, the idea that the clock in his head, yes. he holds it too long. He has to have a better sense of when to get rid of the ball because in that process of, of, of cocking your arm, that's when you get hit and that's when the ball is most vulnerable to come out. That's something he's got to work on. But, you know, I, again, we, we saw an example with Matt Rule of something that is the opposite of honest. We saw Ron Rivera being completely honest. With, with Dave Gettleman, I'm not quite sure where it falls because you got to prop up your quarterback. you got to do what you can to boost your guy. And I, I think that they're at least waiting 
to yeah. see if this year can become the year he fulfills his promise. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And like, like I said, I, I think there's enough good there to go. Whoa, we we see enough here that we're we're not giving up on this yet. You know, yeah, we got issues, but and he's got some issues that he's got to fix on, like you just mentioned, and all that. But they're also going to look and go, well, some of those issues are our fault too because we haven't been able to protect them and do those type of things as well. And this is the other thing. The Giants, their organization in general, I think the the coaches they have there who come from New England, they're not the type of organization or coaches who just look at it and go, oh, it's the quarterback, 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 quarterback. This is, we're going to build a damn team, and we're going to have a system, and we hope our quarterback can be really good within that, but they're not going to sit there and go, oh, well, he's not Patrick Mahomes, and we want him to make plays like Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen and all those type of things either. So they're, I guess, more realistic with those expectations and kind of evaluating themselves and going, wait, you know, we like this guy. He's got a lot of strong attributes. Now, are we doing our part to help him that way? And I think that Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman, you know, Patrick Graham on defense or all those type of guys who can kind of go, wait, no, no, it's, it hasn't been totally fair for him yet, yet. And we still see the positives. And let's help him out with the rest of the football team. And then maybe we can get the guy that we really think was worthy of that number six pick. Draft picks are one way to help. A football team get better compensatory draft picks are awarded every year based upon free agency gains and losses plus a twist this year we'll tell you about who got the most and best picks when pft live continues right after this around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Videotapes of guys working out, that's what that's what we do in the offseason. Look at look at Aaron Donald's footwork. 
My goodness, to see a big guy move like that, Chris, unbelievable. One of the reasons why he's one of the best to ever do it. No, it's it's insane. You know, I, I've seen it in person once in my life too, and it's uh, it's actually more impressive in person. And he's he's not even he's not even in big time shape here yet. I mean, he's just getting going. But his footwork and like explosion is as good as any of the best receivers in football. Like I, I would bet you he could. Who's the fastest receiver in Ty- Tyree Kills? Of, like, I bet you in the first 10, it'd be real close. Like, that's how explosive he is as an athlete. How about the catch he made? It happened very quickly and yeah, then it was right? gone. He, he made a nice catch. I don't know. Are they going to work in a little, little tight end? They need to do that. 99? Yeah. I played with a 99 and Warren Sapp, and they put him in, you know, for some tight end fullback stuff, and he caught a touchdown pass and do all that. There's, there's some, like, some value in having that guy on the field. Of course, they'd run the ball a few times, and everybody thinks you're going to run it with him leading in there, and they can get him an easy touchdown pass. Come on. Look at Aaron that. Donald Adjusting the, the ball like that. There it is. There it is. Look at that. Oh, that was it. It was real quick. It was there, and then it was gone. Aaron Donald was a first-round pick in 2014, uh, and I, I still think to this day the Lions have to say, why in the hell didn't we take him when we had the opportunity, along with plenty of other teams? He shouldn't have been the 14th overall pick that year. I think it was 14th, maybe 13th. Compensatory draft picks, also a big part of the process. The NFL yesterday announcing 36 compensatory picks that will go to 17 teams. The Patriots get the highest of the compensatory picks, 96th overall in the third round. They lost Tom Brady, Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy, among others, last year. And this is all determined by, and it's a complicated formula. I don't think anybody understands, although the Ravens have cracked the code on this long ago. Free agency losses, free agency gains during a certain window, they crunch the numbers after the fact, and they determine the compensatory picks. So that's something the Patriots have mastered. Yes. Free agents leave. They let them leave. They trade for guys with a year left on their contracts, yes, they like do. they're getting with Trent Brown, calculating this idea that if the guy walks away, we get a gain on the back end in the form of a compensatory draft pick. Definitely. And, and the, you know, the, not only, okay, you get a chance, of course, to draft extra guys there and you know the top 110 picks of the drafts where there's some value there as we see every year there's you know yeah it's it's not the elite of the elite but you can certainly find your diamonds in the rough there and the other big thing too where you know a year like this you know new england's got some more toys to play with if they want to trade up in the draft or make a drastic move those are picks that teams are going to look at and go what You'll give us the 96 pick and this to move up, you know, five spots or whatever else. It's going to come in handy, and that's why they're New England. They they crack every code there is in the history of football. Once upon a time, compensatory picks could not be traded. Two, three years ago, that rule changed, so they can move around with those compensatory picks, and they're going to have the dollars in free agency. They can go bargain shopping, and that's surely what they will do. That roster could undergo a lot of change as these guys become available who aren't signed by other teams, who aren't getting the money they're looking for, if you can convince guys to sign on to the Patriot way, which uh, has one day of fun per year, the day you get your Super Bowl ring. Two (laughs) days of fun. Three days. The day you win the Super Bowl, the day you have the parade, the day you get your ring. It's not that that, bad. It's 362 (laughs) days of work, 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 work. Um, the Cowboys have the most compensatory picks this year with four. They lost cornerback Byron Jones and linebacker Robert Quinn, among others, last year. Four teams getting compensatory picks this year for the first time due to the new effort by the NFL 
to encourage teams to develop minority candidates, whether it's assistant coaches or executives. If they're hired by other teams, that's when you get the compensatory pick. Remember, a year ago they were thinking about giving teams compensatory picks for making the hire. The end result is you get the pick for having your employee get hired. 49ers, they actually will have multiple picks over the next few years. This year just one, though. The combination of the hiring of Robert Sala by the Jets, and, Martin Mayhew yeah, by Martin Washington. Mayhew, right. right. Rams lost Brad Holmes to the Lions. He's the GM there. Ravens lost David Culley. He was the receivers coach. He goes to Houston as the head coach. And then in New Orleans, Terry Fontenot, he became the GM of the Falcons. The Falcons gave their rivals an extra draft pick by yeah. making that higher. That tells you what they thought of Terry Fontenot. And there are those picks in that range, Chris, of 102 to 105. And as Pete pointed out, he did the research. Some great players over the years have been found there, including in that range, a certain Kirk Cousins. Yeah, so, and a Kirk Cousins. Available. I love him today. Hey, oh, hey. I'm just stating a fact today. <laughs> I know. I'm just stating a fact. <laughs> no, but you're right. Some days, depending upon my mood, I would say that's a reason not to have a pick in 102 to 105. Uh, but but there are some good names on there, whether it's Devontae Freeman Hey, Daryl Williams, the right tackle, is a free agent from Buffalo right now. He's going to get paid. Trey Hendrickson, the pass rusher on the Saints. So, you know, your backup running back on your Minnesota Vikings, Alexander Madison, Just, there's value there. Yeah, your team, baby. But, but I, you know, this thing with the, you know, the minority hiring and all that, you know, listen, I, 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 I like it. It's giving teams incentives to push guys, too. Now, you know, you know, it's it's going to be on the other teams to go, wait, is he worthy of that really? Okay, we got to dig through this or is this team, you know, trying to trick us so they can get a compensatory pick? Either way, it's pushing names and people out there into the conversation that might not have been pushed out there if it weren't for I, this. What? I I have been accused accurately from time to time for being cynical, but that is an ultra cynical view that a team would willingly lose a valued employee to get a draft pick. Well, if they don't think he's that valuable, they might do that. (laughs) So I, Hey, here's the guy. How about this watch? I really love this watch. I can't part with this watch. Oh, you want this watch? Boy, that's a shame. Hey, I'm a big Martin Mayhew, Brad Holmes fan. All of that I, too. I hear you. You know, but there, I it creates an incentive. It, it does. creates an incentive. Right. That's the problem with this little twist in the rules is the NFL tries desperately to to enhance the hiring of minority executives as general managers, assistant coaches as head coaches. That this is this is part of of uh, the reality. And frankly, I thought that it would become harder for candidates who are with other teams, especially executives, GMs, you know, because Rick Smith, Jerry Reese, Lewis Riddick, three available minority executives who could have been hired to be a general manager, and nobody gets any draft pick compensation because they're unattached. I thought they had an advantage in this environment. Uh -uh. So I think it it tells you that you're going to hire the best person for the job, even if it means giving one of your arch rivals a compensatory draft pick. That for whatever reason, all, all you know, that no one was swayed by. Okay, well, you know, this yeah. possibility that you're going to enhance someone else's draft day. We're going to go get the best candidates, and if it means someone's getting a compensatory pick, so be it. Uh, yeah, uh, agreed. I think there's that angle, and then 
you know, hey, look at Terry Fontenot. I mean, all I hear is good things about the guy. I've only met him in passing. I don't really know him or anything like that. But, you know, those guys, too, when they are really good at their job, teams will squash them a little bit because they don't want them to get out of the building and do that. So now this is like, you know, hey, wait, he's really good. Let's. I don't want to give him too many avenues to get out of here and do those type of things. Now it gets them out there. So I, I think there is, you know, it's proven that there is a little value here for sure. And uh, I do like that because we know this is a big problem in the NFL. But, you know, you put yourself in Brad Holmes and Terry Fontenot's shoes during the process. There had to have been a concern that I'm going to get passed over because of the fact that a compensatory draft pick flows to my team if I get hired. Right. And uh, there, there had to have been some angst and some concern. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, and, and I think this is – the refreshing aspect of it that at their core, I think that NFL teams want the best people for the jobs. They, they just, they need more coaching. They need more guidance. They need more effort instead of locking on. And I think this has been the problem over the years. You have an owner who locks onto a name, locks onto a, a reputation, locks onto a candidate Definitely. and, and doesn't let go and never has that, that broader effort to take a step back and say, am I truly getting the best person for this job Definitely. at this moment? Yeah, right. Or they lock on to an advisor who only advises them to go after the six guys he's friends with in the NFL. You know, that's the other thing that the owners fall into the trap with. So, yeah, there's some value to this. And, and you're right. That's the other side of the story, too, where, you know, the compensatory pick. Some teams might not want to see other teams get that and do that. But uh, all in all, hey, look uh, – from that standpoint, it looks pretty good. I wish we had more minority head coach hiring, certainly. I still don't understand the Eric Bieniemy one and all of that, but I, I will say this, and I'll stick up in the NFL. They're trying to do right here and trying to make this right, and uh, I give them credit for that. All right, yesterday we did a draft of the offensive free agents whose destinations and ultimate fates intrigue us the most. We're going to flip it around today and do it for the defensive free agents. Who intrigues us the most as they embark on free agency next Wednesday? We'll draft those players next here on PFT Live. It's a point my dad always makes. You know, those legs are get out of free jail cards, right? You know, that's what happens to these athletic quarterbacks at times because they just go... Get out of jail free cards. Does that make sense? Get out of free jail. Get out of free jail. Whatever you know. Get out of jail. Free jail. You know what I mean. (laughs) Free jail. Well done. Well done. And you know that that skin tone, you had a day like that before your vacation where you were kind of jaundicey like that. Not as bad as I was that one day during the season where I got countless text messages from people who were concerned that I was about to drop dead i did too my mom was very uh, dirty diana was very concerned about you she was all like oh something's wrong with mike today christopher (laughs) he's dark yellow uh yes um okay uh let's get to it today's draft yesterday we did the offensive players that we are most intrigued by their next destinations today the defensive players whose destinations intrigue us the most Chris, you have a trivia question for me. Go. Yep, it has to do with free agency. And look, here's a little tidbit. I mean, Phil Simms is one of the first free agency major casualties in the history of the NFL. 
But here, let's go to a guy that used to kick Phil Simms' butt for a living. Reggie White is synonymous with the start of the NFL's free agency. Within $5 million, what was the value? Can you move your cursor, okay, value of the four-year contract he signed with the Packers? Four years within $5 million. I would say it was four years, uh, 30, no, $28 million. So, wait, but, but, but we want... We want the average, though, right? What was the, is that what the average value? Oh, the value. Yeah, Total. sorry, sorry, sorry. All right. Sorry. Eh, you were wow. wrong. It's 17 wow. million. I know. Wow. <laughs> uh, can you wow. imagine what Reggie White uh, would be worth now? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, it would be. I mean, now you got guys making well over 17 million a year right. who have those kinds of skills. So, okay, Woo. you get the first pick. Okay, here we go. Um, you know, th this one. Maybe not the biggest star of free agency, but I'm very intrigued by it as the most intriguing defensive free agents. And that is Bud Dupree with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm intrigued by it, one, because when he's healthy, he's one of the best edge defenders in football. You know, whether it's rushing the passer, he can drop into coverage, you know, he can put his hand down and play a defense end, three, four outside linebacker. He's awesome in the run game and all that. But he tore his ACL a little past the midpoint uh, of the NFL season last year. And I just don't know where it goes. And a year like this, too, where we've talked about so much about, you know, these guys might not get the money they think, I would think he's the guy that would scare some teams because of that injury. You know, so I'm intrigued by that. And I don't know. I have something I've said on my podcast you know, it might benefit him and the, the Steelers that he did get, you know, that this benefit the Steelers that he got hurt because teams might be afraid. And then also I think about Bud Dupree and a la like a Jameis Winston or a Teddy Bridgewater when you're looking to go to a place to add your value. Pittsburgh's still a place that's great for him. Maybe if he has to take a little less, right? Because they got all those good D linemen. Yeah, they know what he is. He's not going to feel like he has to prove himself. At the start of training camp, he'll be able to take his time, get healthy, and then, of course, he's a part of a talented front line there on the defense to where he's going to get some matchups that are favorable to maybe to where he can strike it rich the next year. Yeah, I think the injury enhances the likelihood he stays right? in Pittsburgh okay. because yeah. other teams are going to be concerned. It's going to be one-year deals or right. a long-term deal with one year and then a clear option payment the next year. That's what Drew Brees did in New Orleans back in 2006. It's better to do a one-year deal so then you can hit the market again next year. If you do have that big season, you can get the big payday that you didn't get this year. But I think there's a chance he stays in Pittsburgh. He's on my list. He wasn't at the top, but he's on my list. At the top, it's got to be Shaq Barrett. Yeah. How do you not take Shaq Barrett? The pass rusher that the Buccaneers need to have. He became a free agent two years ago, went to Tampa Bay, had 19-plus sacks, franchise tagged last year. They didn't tag him this year. They haven't signed him to a new deal yet. He's got that ticket to the open market. I I have a feeling he's going to be gone, and I have Seems a feeling like that the, Buc the Buccaneers have looked around at all the pass rushers that are out there, and they've made the assessment for what Shaq Barrett wants. We can get three pass rushers maybe more, or at least other players, keep other guys, find other pass rushers, maybe find another Shaq Barrett who just kind of walks in, hence into the system with Todd Bowles as the coordinator, and you got JPP and you've got Vita Vea. Maybe you bring back Indomitian Sue, and uh, there are other guys who can do what Shaq Barrett does. They may be banking on that. So where Barrett goes, and will there be a team that pays a premium to Barrett 
so they can just say, hey, we, we got one of the key pieces right. of the championship Buccaneers defense, buy tickets, buy jerseys. He said he wants to break the bank. And uh, to break the bank, he's going to have to go somewhere else, I think. No, I mean, it, it, it seems like all signs are pointing that way. You're right. And, you know, he was right up there with my top two picks. So we've talked about him so much. I just couldn't pick him number one again. That's really what I what it went down to there. But you're right. And it just it, from, you know, connecting the dots there, it seems like, yeah, he's 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 looking to strike it rich and he's asking for more money than they're willing to pay. And, you know, also you brought up the names there like. Vita Vea is a guy, I mean, he's a superstar. They got to be looking at that going like, man, when he's healthy, he's one of the better defensive tackles in all of football. We're going to have to pay him. We're going to have to pay him soon. And we've talked about Devin White and doing all that. So, all right, my next guy, maybe this is the guy they get if they can't re-sign a Shaq Barrett. I'm intrigued by this because I think he's an awesome player and he flies under the radar. He signed a one-year deal last year, Leonard Floyd. I really, I where where does that go? Leonard Floyd, he's got a little bit of a bad rap because he was a top ten, 10 pick with the the Chicago Bears, and he didn't get a lot of sacks. And of course, that's what people want when you get a top ten pick edge guy. But like a Bud Dupree and everything like that, the value is way more than the sack numbers. It's disruption. It's the versatility. It's you know the ability to set the edge against tackles or tight ends. Even for a thinner guy, he is unbelievable play strength. Like can handle double teams. Let a run. Let, let alone run around blockers and still make the tackle. Drops into coverage. You know, adds a lot of versatility to your defense. I, I'm I'm intrigued by that. You know, what does he get out on the open market in a year like this? And yeah, he's not going to be a 10 to 12 to 14 sacks a year type of guy. He's going to be six to eight or nine, but a whole lot of F the play ups like we talk about where you go, man, I don't know who that blur was in the screen, but that guy messed the play up and somebody else made the tackle. Uh, I, I'm a big Leonard Floyd fan. fan. I'm, I'm interested to see where, where he goes. Hassan Reddick, the next one for me, the Cardinals yeah. pass rusher, had five sacks against the Giants on December 13, three forced fumbles. As I've suggested recently, either on this show or on PFTPM, I can't keep them straight at times. This is the guy, if you're in the NFC East, you need to be looking at. And if you're the Giants, if you can't beat him, join him. Maybe he's a guy that they should be adding to their defense so they don't have to deal with him on game days. But uh, yeah, look, streaky player. But we saw the potential. You get him in a spot where you can draw it out of him on a regular basis, you got yourself a superstar. So very fascinating. Not just to see where he goes, but what they're able to do with him next year, Chris. I, I am too. Like he, to me, I, I, was, I was thinking about picking him next because he's, he's intriguing because I don't really know what to expect from him. You know, he also, to me, could be like fool's gold, right? He could be like the opposite of Leonard Floyd where you go, people are going to look at the sacks and the numbers, and you're going to go, okay, yeah, that's cool. But also you're going to go, well, man, a lot of those sacks only happened in like, you know, two or three games and throughout his career. So, I mean, he is a, he's a phenomenal specimen and athlete, and he has the versatility like you talked about to where you can use him different ways. But I am intrigued like, like you too. Is somebody going to overpay him? Like, he's one of those guys you look at to go, he could get overpaid. Um, all right, I'm stuck between two stuck between two guys here because there's – I'm going to go with just a guy that I like a lot. I was going to go Trey Hendrickson because I think he's a lot like the guy you just talked about where is it real or is it a little bit of a one-year splash type of thing? I mean, I know he's a good player, 
but he might trick some people. I want to go with William Jackson, though, the corner from the Cincinnati Bengals as a free agent because I think he is clearly the number one corner on the market for me. And am I missing somebody, anybody out there? I don't know. I, I, uh, so, But he is a guy that I, I think it's intriguing, one, because he's been in Cincinnati, and I don't know if people know how good he is, but he's an island corner. He is a guy where you can go, oh, hey, there's the best receiver. You got him. You know, you're going to have to cover a man-to-man 50 out of 70 snaps today and do all that type of stuff. And I really think his game is, is pretty damn special. And I'm interested to see who makes a play for him. Can Cincinnati, they have a ton of money. That'd be a guy I would think they'd want to keep on that defense and do that. So uh, I'm a big William Jackson fan. I'm going with a corner, but not a guy who is new to free agency or new to the NFL. He is new to free agency. Yeah. Patrick Peterson. Yeah. Pick of the of the Arizona Cardinals 10 years ago, finally hitting the market. What does he have left in the tank? Will someone pay for the name? Will someone pay for the presence? Will, right. will th there be value in getting him into a different defense? Could he maybe move positions and transition to safety like we've seen so many corners do when they get deeper into their careers? Just a lot of questions about where he goes, what he'll get, and how he'll be used. And, and look, Chris, you know, so many people tiptoe around this. He had that PED suspension where it was six games because he got popped for four for having the PED and two more for having the masking agent that apparently wasn't very good because the masking agent was detected, as was the PED. How much does that affect how someone assesses him at this point in his career going forward? That, to me, is one of the most fascinating names because he's been such a great player for so many years. No, you, you know my thoughts there. and I mean, that, that to me is a huge, huge blemish on his career there. Uh, I don't like it. You know? and, and if I'm a G, I don't sign guys like that if I'm a GM. I don't. You know, sorry, you, you, you cheated. I don't know what else to say about it. I don't know what else to say, you know, and, and stop. I'm sick of see people getting mad at people who call out the cheaters. Like, how dare you call him out for him being wrong? You know, he did because a bad. was, I know. It was a supplement that was spiked. Oh, that's right. They yeah. I went know. to the, 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 the doctor and he told, and they he gave me never something. Like, get out of here. Oh, it's always this crap. A cheater. Right. They never catch a cheater. I it's know. It's the damnedest thing. I can't believe right. you didn't pick Richard Sherman. I When you said cornerback, I thought, oh, here we go. Richard Sherman, Mike Florio, round 12. Here we go. I. You know, I, uh, but yeah, I, I'm cool. I've got, I've got, I've got, I look, there's no animosity there. I, I know, just believe I'm playing. that he'd be better off with an agent. He yeah. would have been better off with the 49ers with an agent. You and I have had this conversation before. You're the one taking me there. He was in, he was in grave danger being cut in 2019. I don't think he realizes how close he was to being cut after one year with the 49ers, Chris. Yeah, he was. No, and I, you know it and I know it. Yeah, I know. I know. And yes, we're not fans of ever having or not having an, an agent. Certainly. He's still got some value out there. There's no doubt. He's not yes. the same guy he was, but he's still a good player. If if Robert Sala is not at the front of the line to get him, that that should be something that, that other teams take a close look at as to why Sala isn't right there trying to add him to a defense that could use that presence and that leadership in the locker room. All right, let's take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Before we get to one item of news, a reader has suggested a solution to the pouring the water that was used to heat your coffee mug into the trash conundrum. And it's a very simple, low-tech suggestion, and I like it. Bring in another 
cup or another mug, pour the water into that, leave it on the desk. It's fairly sizable. It won't get in your way. And then after the show, carry it to a sink and pour it down there. It's been a while since I've been to the facility, but I do recall multiple sinks in the vicinity of the studio. They are. You're right. There is. I, I like that. I, I so that's good job by by our listener there. Um and and yeah, I'm gonna self self scout thyself as I always do with everything. I'll make the proper adjustments and when I'm back on Monday, I'll have that cup there to do that and I'll try to improve good. myself as a human Excellent. being. Thank you. Excellent. Uh all right. Janoris Jenkins cut by the Saints. Not a surprise. We both were on it. It's a $7 million net cap savings for the Saints to move on from Janoris Jenkins. This is just part of the effort to chip away and chip away and chip away at that gigantic cap bulge that they have. It, it is. Where do they go from here? I mean, that's that's where I, you know, now we're getting into like, whoa, are they going to try to trade Marshawn Lattimore? Would they cut him? I don't know. But there's going to be some big names, big players out there. And what they still got a lot of work to do, right, Mike? I mean, what is it at? Last I saw, I think they're at thirty-one million still over the cap. This will get them to twenty-four. If this okay. is, it's hard to keep up with it because it's always changing. <laughs> right. But if it was thirty-one million before Janoris Jenkins, it is twenty-four million now. Cutting or trading Marshawn Lattimore would clear another ten million, and they can always remove the franchise tag from Marcus Williams and get another ten million. So they'll get there. The question yeah. is, who'll be left? We're leaving. See you tomorrow. Chris, enjoy your three-day weekend. Thank you. See you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.